Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 165 of Just the Zoo of Us. This week, we're talking with an entomologist who is here to zoom in on some animals you may not have thought to appreciate before, wasps. And hear us out before you reach for the swatter. From the world's smallest insect, the fairy fly, which is actually a wasp, to the infamous giant hornet, the wasp world is full of imposters, cockroach brain surgery, pollination and pest control. So come along with us for a tour of all these things and more, and you just might end up with a new favorite animal. Just the Zoo of Us presents Wasps with Johanna Schwartz. This is Ellen Weatherford with Just the Zoo of Us, your favorite animal review podcast. I'm very excited this week to be bringing you a friend who is actually not a completely new friend because we have virtually met before, but this is Johanna Schwartz. Say hi, Johanna. Hi, Johanna. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Johanna, what are your pronouns? Oh, she, her. Thank you so much. I'm really excited. So we virtually met on a stream that we both did for Nature Check, which is a really, really cool tabletop RPG streaming channel where, you know, a bunch of scientists and like science adjacent randos like me come together and play science inspired role playing games. And we played a game, I believe it was called a wood heart. Yeah, yeah, wood heart. Very interesting. Yeah, it was a, a fascinating game, a nice like world building, like a lot of drawing. Yeah, which was fun because we were all on Zoom, <laughs> so <it was> like, <laughs> but we made it work. And and you mentioned during that stream that you study wasps, I and do. I was like, okay. And so then the little, little seed was planted in my brain <laughs> of like, we need to talk wasps. So now we're here to talk wasps. But before we do that, let's talk about you a little bit. I know that wasps are. A frequently maligned animal, and I think maybe not a ton of people would pursue a career in being so closely affiliated with wasps. So what was the journey like that brought you to your stinging friends? Yeah, um, really, it was insects that brought me in. Um, I grew up in Florida. I love insects. I would catch them all the time as a kid. Were you a bug kid? Oh, absolutely. Definitely a bug kid. (laughs) Oh, boy, my, my parents have this essay I wrote in third grade, I want to say, where I wrote that I wanted to be an entomologist. <gasps> you made it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. No, uh, my mom will still pull that out if anybody wants to see it. <laughs> oh, I definitely for sure want to see it. Oh, no. Well, I love that, like, a childhood passion that, like, you saw through and now you're, like, <laughs> living the dream. I love that. Were your parents excited about your passion for bugs or were they at least on board with it? Uh, they were definitely supportive of of oh, my my pursuit of bugs. Well, I assume they wished I would take less home with me, <laughs> but they they are very supportive of my journey in entomology. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, that would be my first, like, 
if one of my kiddos decided to become very, very into entomology, my first concern would be like, what are the conditions under which the object of study is going to be brought into my home? Did you like have a lot of like little pet bugs and terrariums and stuff? I definitely would keep a lot of lizards, actually, not bugs. Um, But Mm. then I would also just catch spiders in the house. You know, I was the person who brought them outside. (laughs) Were you the spider rescue squad? Yeah, yeah, I was. Every house needs one. Yeah, always out of the pool. We would skim them out and we'd let them go. These giant wolf spiders. And they're good to have around, too. Make the case for keeping your spiders around. They make good pest control. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Don't want those mosquitoes around, so we got to have the spiders. <laughs> but spiders and wasps are both, I think of as the go-to, like, villainized yes. bugs. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you uh, seek them out because of their sort of maligned status? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's that's what drew me to wasps. Although, I guess as a kid, maybe I thought, you know, this is the the cool insects or, (laughs) you know, everybody likes butterflies, everybody likes beetles, nobody likes wasps. So maybe that's part of the reason I like them. Yeah, they do need someone in their corner, don't they? Yeah, just a (laughs) a wasp advocate. How did you get into working with wasps? And and I should also say, what does your work with wasps look like? Okay, yeah. um, So I started working with wasps my senior year of my undergraduate degree at UF. University of Florida. Chomp, chomp. Yeah, go Gators. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I worked at the Florida State Collection of Arthropods with the the wasps scientists there. And I was spending every day going through samples, looking for these incredibly tiny wasps, because I actually work on the micro wasps, (laughs) these ones that are usually under one millimeter long. Oh my gosh, they're so tiny. That's like an ant at that point. Oh, absolutely smaller. <laughs> it's the Aww. it's the period at the end of the sentence. Yeah, no, I was spending days just doing that, looking at them under the microscope, and they look like dots if you're just looking at a sample of them. But under the microscopes, they really come alive. They have different colors. They're metallic. If you really take the time to look at a wasp, especially like under a microscope, like you said, there's some beauty there to really appreciate. Definitely. We talked a while back about cuckoo wasps with uh, Katie Golden from Creature Feature, and that is like a stunner of a wasp. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. gorgeous. Looks like a little sparkling jewel. Um, but I, I didn't know that wasps could be that tiny. Oh, yeah. Actually, the smallest insect is a wasp. Um, oh, my it's gosh. you're called the fairy fly. <gasps> Not the fairy fly. Yeah, the fairy fly, it's... Uh... I want to say 0.1 millimeter long, so incredibly small. It's smaller than uh, like an amoeba, a single-celled organism. Is it as cute as its name suggests? (laughs) I think so. Hold on, I got to look them up real quick. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, this is interesting because the wings are like very unusual. Oh, yeah, they're fringed uh, most of the time. Um, They're also kind of spoon-shaped. That's the thing. <laughs> so I'm looking at this picture, and it's almost like the wings are like on a long stalk. Yeah. And then like the wings are just like on the ends of these stalks, and then they have these like almost uh, like a peacock feather sort of shape to it. Yeah. Uh, once you get <laughs> that small, the wind, like air, will feel a lot thicker. You'll get a lot more resistance. So these fringes really help them propel themselves through the air at that scale. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's making me think a little bit of like uh, dandelion seeds, like yeah. the, the the puffs of the dandelion. 
and how they just kind of like float across the wind. <laughs> it's the smallest wasp and it's the smallest insect. Oh, that's so sweet. What are you studying with your wasps? Like, what are you looking at when you're looking at these wasps? Yeah, so uh, mostly I work in taxonomy, which is classifying and naming new species. Have you gotten to name any new ones? Yeah, so I, I'm in the process of naming uh, a handful of species right now in a genus called Dicotelius. It's known around the Indian Ocean, and we found about five or six new species there. So I'm excited to, <laughs> to get those out. That feels like the dream, right? To get to like name a new species and like almost like leaving your mark on science to be like, <laughs> I named this. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It's it's like a dream of mine. Um, you know, just the fact that there are so many unknown things out there in the world and a lot of them are very tiny. That is where so much like exploration is left to be done because new things are being discovered about them constantly all the Always. time so there's so much more to learn and so hopefully for people that may be turned on this podcast because they're like i don't really like wasps they have some negative connotations that i think are maybe due to a knowledge gap about wasps so i'm hoping that maybe we can uh, teach some people about wasps here today so yeah. this is introduction to wasps okay <laughs> yeah what exactly is a wasp like where do they fit in like the insect family tree yeah so uh wasps are part of the insect order hymenoptera that's the scientific name it actually hymenoptera includes wasps bees and ants squad yeah. <laughs> so if we, uh, I mean, if we think of uh, Hymenoptera as a, a box, uh, inside of that box is another box called wasps, and inside of that box is actually bees and ants. So bees and ants can be considered just different types of wasp. So when you're piling on the love for your bee friends, because everybody <laughs> loves bees, right? Like we all love our honeybees and our bumblebees. You're really just giving love to wasps and you didn't even know it. Yeah. Um. So... Wasps are usually defined by the little tiny waist that they have between the, the abdomen, which is the last body segment, and the thorax, where the wings are attached. They have a pinched-in waist. It's very hourglass. Yeah, like a kind of corset kind of thing going on. I've seen some that have like extremely exaggerated ones, like what is it called? The thread-waisted, I think? Yeah, there's, there's the thread-waisted wasps uh, where it's very thin before it expands out for the abdomen. Those can be kind of goofy looking a little bit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> There's a lot of goofy looking ones. <laughs> I found one in my backyard recently that was, it was not a thread-waisted wasp. I want to say it was an ichneumonid wasp. Okay. And it had a very funky looking body situation going <laughs> on. It like went curved like up and then back down. Yes. For a lot of ichneumonid wasps, they need to lay eggs into uh, materials, like maybe through wood or plant. So they need a, a very long abdomen to hold this egg-laying organ. And that's kind of the ground plan for, for most of the wasps. I think a lot of people, when they hear wasp, all they think of is an aggressive animal, right? <laughs> yes. Something with, with nothing but chaos on the brain, craves only violence, and yep. <laughs> seeks out pain wherever it can find it. But for people that are maybe not super familiar with what the life of a wasp looks like, what is it that they're doing? Like, what is their sort of life goal, I suppose? 
Yeah. Uh, so when most people think of wasp, we think of stinging wasps, paper wasp, hornets, and there's so many more wasps than those. For example, the ones that I study, they're largely parasites of other insects and spiders and other arthropods. When you say parasites of them, in what way are they parasitizing them? They're actually parasitoids. They actually have to kill their host in order to develop. Brutal. Yes, yeah, <laughs> very much so. And this often involves laying their eggs inside of another organism. I'm imagining that maybe to other bugs, they probably have the same sort of menacing reputation that they do to us. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Um, they actually did a couple of studies lately, and estimates say that there's probably a parasitoid wasp for almost every species of insect, one that's specific to that insect. I love the dedication to menacehood. I love being so incredibly committed to just absolutely ruining somebody's day that they're like, wasps are looking at other bugs and they're like, I don't think we've got one to ruin that one's day yet. Uh, it's free real estate meme. <laughs> yeah. there's, the, there's a bug we haven't touched yet, so we have to go get it. The, I like the dedication to the craft. There's something to be said for uh, consistency. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely other wasps that don't parasitize insects. Uh, we have gall-forming wasps, so they'll lay their, their eggs inside of a plant, and that plant will actually, their venom will cause the plant to grow a kind of home for their larva. Whoa. Did you say a gall-forming? Yeah, gall-forming. What's a gall? So if you've ever like gone out into the woods, you see a weird shaped leaf. Maybe it has like a bubble shape on it. That's probably a gall. Oh, so they're kind of using like chemistry. Yes. Interesting. And letting the plant do the work for them. Exactly. <laughs> Effectively, they sting the plant and then confuse the plant into growing themselves a home. That's brilliant and diabolical, and I am here <laughs> for it, and I love it. I looked up a picture of it, and some of it looks very, like, sci-fi alien egg mass sort of thing. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Wasps are... Part of the reason why I love wasps is because they are sci-fi. They are science fiction. <laughs> they are the movie Alien. I'm definitely getting hints of that. It looks like these, especially these galls on these plants, it definitely looks like something that in any episode of Star Trek, <laughs> you would see this probably like in the background of a shot, like early on in the episode. And by the end of the episode, they'd be like attacking the entire ship and <laughs> they've taken over. They've like, they're controlling people's minds. And it's, it's one of those things that like you see in the beginning where you're like, that's going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of them do look ominous. They do. So if this is your first time listening to this podcast, the thing that we do is we rate animals out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. So beginning with effectiveness, these are like adaptations to the animal's body, things they have kind of built in that let them either solve the problems that they face, let them survive and thrive and continue on to the next generation. And so for wasps, things that are predatory, maybe these are ways that they can catch and eat their prey, or maybe these are things that they have that allow them to not become prey themselves. So Johanna, what do you give wasps out of 10 for effectiveness? Oh boy, I, it would have to be pretty high. They are so, so efficient in everything they do. Um, 
I th- I think I'm going to have to say a 9 or a 10. For sure, right? They have what is basically a hypodermic needle that they can use to deliver venom <laughs> and eggs wherever they want. Yeah, so the the stinger is definitely, I think, for most people, what they think about when they think of the wasp. Yeah. Um, you think of a wasp and that's immediately, they're like synonymous with getting stung. And when we were chatting before I hit record, you mentioned um, stingless wasps. So definitely the majority of wasps do not or cannot sting humans because most of them are incredibly small. Really... The stinger is a modified egg-laying organ, so only female wasps, ants, bees can sting. Uh, The males cannot. They don't have this organ. That's interesting that it is basically just like they've taken their egg-laying device and sharpened it into a blade. (laughs) (laughs) They filled it with poison. (laughs) Which is an excellent uh, example of playing with the hand you are dealt. Yeah. So for for all all wasps, except for this small group of stinging wasps, bees, and ants, they use this organ to lay eggs or to deliver venom to plants, maybe to create galls. When you said that only the females have it and the males don't, that jogged something in my memory of a male, something that had like developed a mimic of a stinger. Okay, yes, yeah, so it's really common for wasps and bees, uh, male wasps and bees, to pretend to sting anybody who tries to grab them. Huh. Yeah, they'll just jab the end of their abdomen into your hand if you're holding it, and they'll actually kind of pulse and pump to make it look like they're inserting venom, but really they, they can't. Do they think that they can and they're trying to do it anyway? Or is it like a intimidate you into thinking they're going to sting you? I would definitely think it's it's an intimidation tactic. You know, if something jabs into your hand, whether it pierces it or not, it's going to be pretty jarring. Sure, yeah. So your immediate reaction will probably be to let it go. And they're kind of betting on that. That is a very risky bet. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. They're like, well, I don't have a weapon, so I'm just going to pretend that I do and hope for the best. (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, even across insects, mimicking stinging bees and stinging ants, or, well, stinging wasps, is pretty common. There's a lot of flies that have the same coloration as wasps. Uh, They look very similar to bees, uh, and it's also found in, in beetles, butterflies. Pretty much every insect has some sort of wasp mimic. Often imitated, never duplicated. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. I remember talking about that when we talked about the tarantula hawk, because there was a a fly, a completely harmless fly, that had developed coloration to very closely resemble the tarantula hawk, which, like, (laughs) notoriously has just an incredibly powerful and painful sting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then here's this fly flying around like, oh, yeah, it's definitely me. (laughs) I definitely can sting you very badly. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on in in the insect world. Um, Those yellow, red, and orange colors are kind of known as a warning color. It's actually called aposomatic coloration, um, and it's just a a giant caution sign. Leave me alone, I'll sting you, even though a lot of them don't have stingers. So, like, at what point 
do the predators come, become wise to the mimicry and be like, hey, wait a second. <laughs> uh, I mean, it it depends on how often you're willing to take that risk. And for a lot of animals, there's easier prey. Yeah, I was going to say, like, for me, it would be none. It would be never, right? Because at that point, you're like, I'm just not going to bother. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to roll those dice and risk getting very badly stung or poisoned. <laughs> you know, if even if uh, one out of every ten was the actual tarantula hawk, I don't think I would take that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it, I think that bad apple does spoil the bunch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do other animals eat wasps? Like, are, are wasps typically on the menu in the same way that other insects tend to be? Or is that stinger enough of a deterrent that, like, it's not really a, a menu option? Definitely other things still eat wasps. There are spiders that will eat wasps. Uh, Birds can a lot of the time eat wasps. (laughs) Um, And even other wasps will eat wasps. There's a special type of parasitoid called a hyperparasitoid, which specifically lays its eggs on other parasites. Oh, it's parasites all the way down. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's a snake eating a snake. They... <laughs> it's an Ouroboros of wasps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And actually, it there has been at least one uh, record of uh, a hyper-hyper parasitoids. No, yes. that's too many. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had said that there's a wasp for everything and so i would imagine that the wasps eventually have to circle back around oh and start specializing (laughs) on each other yeah so they'll lay eggs on each other um a lot of these wasps specifically in the group that i study will actually mark eggs that they've laid eggs in so they'll go and deposit their eggs in a stink bug egg and then just mark it with a chemical to say this one is taken oh my gosh that is so interesting. Is it like to prevent other wasps from like also parasitizing the same one? That's definitely the thought. Um, I'm sure a lot more research needs to go into this, but it's thought that this is so <laughs> one, maybe wasps of the same species won't come back and reparasitize it. And then also to tell everything else, this one is taken. Don't lay your eggs here. <laughs> Interesting. So it's like territorial marking, but on a living animal. (laughs) It's when you you pick out your your lobster from the red lobster tank. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You're so right. I'm also thinking it's kind of like a collar on your dog with like a license, a little tag on it that says your name on it. They've just got a little collar for their stink bug. Yeah. (laughs) This one's mine. If if found, please return to... (laughs) This wasp. (laughs) Hey there, we're going to take a quick break to hear from a couple of the other shows on the Maximum Fun Network. When we get back, we're going to rate ingenuity and aesthetics for wasps. So stay with us. Her Majesty served Great Britain and the Commonwealth loyally for over 70 years. And while, of course, we feel a profound sadness... We must remember she lived a long life and died in such a way that I think many of us would want for ourselves. She was at home, surrounded by her family. And of course, she was listening to the Beef and Dairy Network podcast. The Beef and Dairy Network podcast is a multi-award winning comedy podcast and you can find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You're in a theater. The lights go down. You're about to get swept up by the characters and all their little details and interpersonal dramas. You look at them and think, that person is so obviously in love with their best friend. Wait, am I in love with my best friend? That character's mom is so overbearing. Why doesn't she just stand up to her? Oh God, do I need to stand up to my own mother? If you've ever recognized yourself in a movie, then join me, Jordan Cruciola, for the podcast Feeling Seen. We've talked to author Susan Orlean on realizing her own marriage was falling apart after watching Adaptation, an adaptation of her own work, and comedian Hari Kondabolu on why Harold and Kumar was a depressingly important movie for Southeast Asians. So join me every Thursday for the Feeling Seen podcast here on Maximum Fun. That brings us into our next category that we rate animals on, which is ingenuity. And ingenuity for us is things that the animal is actually doing. So behaviors, ways that they're navigating the world or solving problems or things that they're actually actively doing. What would you give wasps out of 10 for ingenuity? Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, For ingenuity, I think has to be a solid 10. For sure. Definitely. I've seen some stuff. <laughs> oh, yes. I don't think we've said anything about the the emerald cockroach wasp, oh. or it's also called the jewel wasp. It's a, also a very pretty wasp. But it kind of does uh, brain surgery on the cockroaches that it eats. No way. Yeah. They will attack cockroaches as they're, you know, called cockroach wasps. And to disable this cockroach, it's going to sting it right into the brain, into this specific section of the brain, just to effectively lobotomize it. Oh my gosh. That's horrifying. <laughs> it's, a, it's definitely a little unsavory, but, you know, it's what they do. They sting this cockroach right in the brain, and then we'll make it docile enough to lead it by its antennae into a nest where they're going to lay their eggs in it. So this isn't to kill the cockroach. No. It's to utilize it. Yes. Oh, and I'm sitting here like, oh, wow, that's so that's so brutal. That's so diabolical. I can't believe they do that. But like, that seems very human, doesn't it? <laughs> like, that seems like the sort of... To domesticate. <laughs> yes, it just seems like a very human thing to do. To be like, oh, you're actually worth more to me alive because now you, you know, now I can escort you. Yeah, you get fresh food for your, your children. <laughs> it's going to be fresh before they hatch. And also, like, I'm looking at these pictures of them. The cockroach also appears to be much bigger than the wasp. Oh, yes. Which is interesting because I feel, I don't know if the wasp could carry the cockroach if it needed to. No, it it probably can't. So leading it back and having it follow it is going to be really important for the strategy. That's really fascinating because that cockroach wouldn't even be an option for that wasp if it wasn't able to control its behavior. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. They are working much smarter instead of harder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But also, if you think back to the fairy fly, there is a full brain inside of that little tiny head. Oh. That has, you know. (laughs) So on that scale, the fact that it's so small and still has all of these incredible behaviors is very interesting to look at. Right. Because they can't possibly have the same processing power right yeah it doesn't seem like they should it's like a little calculator versus like a gaming computer (laughs) you wouldn't (laughs) think they'd have the same uh the same capability but they've just specced highly into chaos and mayhem 
<laughs> but as like as afraid as humans tend to be of wasps, we're not even target number one for them. No. Right? <laughs> no. <laughs> be thankful that you're not a cockroach, apparently. Yeah. I think a lot of, you know, people's beef, I suppose, with wasps is their reputation for being kind of trigger happy when it comes to stinging people. (laughs) So I'm wondering, like, what kind of behavior is that like rooted in? What is the what are the conditions under which a, a wasp would decide to turn its stinger human word? It's usually in in defense of of a nest. So if you're you're poking too close to their nest, they might get a little aggressive with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, a lot of larger mammals might be after the the brood in that nest. They're after the larva. These wasps have this stinger. They're gonna chase you off and try to make sure that you can't get away with their children. I would too. Listen, <laughs> yeah, it's just defense. Yeah, and also. I have found that a lot of the, I mean, you're from Florida too, like you understand uh, the dynamic. Wasps do tend to want to build their nests in a place where they are likely to have that sort of close encounter with a human, right? Like we have one (laughs) literally on our glass door, like Uh. (laughs) into our backyard. Like it was, the wasp nest is literally on the door. Yes. Yeah. They do tend to be around, (laughs) around humans, which is probably the reason why we have this perception of them being aggressive and uh, Mm -hmm. coming after us. But, you know, we provide a lot of resources for them, so of course they would move in. Right. Have you been stung by a wasp? Oh, yes. Not as many uh, wasps. (laughs) I've been stung by many more ants, but uh, the wasps have got me. Was it uh, during your studies or just kind of a rogue... (laughs) (laughs) a rogue wasp a rogue wasp i actually don't get stung a lot or really at all uh in my research (laughs) that's comforting to know so at least you're not like in the line of fire oh yeah absolutely i have gotten away with with none that's comforting to know at least because i think that's probably what a lot of people think right that's probably like oh you work with wasps you must get stung all the time (laughs) i'm very lucky in that i have never been stung by a wasp. Okay. Um, although I have been stung by bees. And there was it was when I was a kid. But I have had very close encounters with wasps. And there was one situation I remember when I was a kid. <laughs> we were out in the woods and a yellow jacket, which are very feisty. They are <laughs> yeah. incredibly sting happy wasps was stuck in my hair oh (laughs) a live very angry yellow jacket was i have like big thick hair and this one just happened to be caught up in it and like right in front of my face so i was just like looking at it while it was like frantically trying to become untangled from my face (laughs) and an adult had to come help me get this wasp out of my hair and you know what we didn't get stung uh, we were totally fine, you know, it just, we untangled it and it got out of there and everything was fine. Um, so I don't know if it was because that particular wasp was not capable of stinging me in that moment, but uh, <laughs> we were unscathed. So that has to be a, that has to be a pro wasp moment. Yeah. Well, I think wasps get a bad rep because unlike honeybees, they can sting more than once because uh, honeybees, their, their stinger is barbed. So uh, once they sting, it gets stuck in your skin and they can't sting you again one shot one kill yeah one (laughs) but it is themselves unfortunately yes yeah it is 
But wasps don't have that issue and can just go back for more. That has to be, I mean, from the wasp's perspective, that has to be an advantage that wasps have, like, over bees. I cannot think of a good reason for you to have a stinger that you die when you use it. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of why that could be useful. (laughs) So actually, when when the stinger comes out of the bee, they leave the venom sacs, too, so it can continue (gasps) pumping venom into you. (laughs) It's doing, like, bleed damage. (laughs) Yes. It's a, a lasting effect. Yep. Oh my gosh. Okay, that is a good idea then. People do give them a hard time because <laughs> of how defensive they can be, which honestly I think is kind of a relatable quality. Yeah. You know, like you wouldn't want somebody threatening your home and your children and such. So I don't know. I, I don't think we can give them as hard of a time for that. I've also heard that, you know, wasps do have their own place as pollinators they they do have a role in pollination that i think bees get all of the credit for (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is not to say that bees are the only ones that do this but uh, something i hear a lot is like you know oh wasps are useless because they're just like bees but they don't pollinate right i think that's a perception a lot of people have definitely wasps do pollinate there's a lot of flower dwelling wasps um, and they pollinate much in the same way that bees do so like landing on the flower and going from flower to flower. Yeah, there's, I like to call bees fuzzy wasps, Aww. but there actually are fuzzy wasps that are not bees. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hold on. Fuzzy wasp. Here we go. Oh, oh, it's the velvet ant. Yeah, velvet ant would be one of them. That's just the red panda of wasps. It's also a uh, scaleid wasp. Okay, here we go. Aww. They're not they're not as fluffy as like a bumblebee. No, not not that much fuzz, but <laughs> they, sure. they do have have that kind of fur. It's a little bit. I I think that wasps don't get the same uh PR that bees do because wasps don't produce anything that we can profit off of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all we all love honey so much. <laughs> right. What was the deal? I think it was two years ago where the the giant wasps were starting to be seen Uh, and the the northern giant wasp or the the murder hornet (laughs) i can't stand that name no it's bad i really don't like it it's the northern giant hornet (laughs) yeah what was going on with that yeah uh, so they were found on the west coast i don't know the current status but i'm pretty sure they are controlling them that was a wild time (laughs) (laughs) yeah hopefully they have gotten them more under control um, because they do like to eat native species, and no, we want our wasp to be around. <laughs> right. We don't want our our native pollinators, our native wasps, to be eaten by by these ones. But those those hornets can can get to be like three inches. It's one of the the biggest species of of wasps. You know, um, just two weeks ago, I believe we were talking about the spotted lanternfly a notorious, very, very challenging invasive species working its way across uh, the Northeast. And one of the control measures that was being studied is introducing wasps that are native to China, where the spotted lanternfly is from, that parasitizes the spotted lanternfly eggs. So the idea was that like, they're studying these wasps to see like, if we introduce these wasps, are they then going to become a bigger problem uh, and introduce 
introduce a brand new problem or will they parasitize the lanternflies here and solve our lanternfly problem? So uh, that, I thought that was a really interesting, you know, we always want to drag wasps, basically. <laughs> yeah. And now, you know, now we've come to them for help in our time of need. <laughs> yeah. So that's actually a, a lot more common uh, than I think most people would think, because a lot of these wasps are going to specifically eat one type of insect. So if we bring it over, it will only eat the lanternflies. And they tried to uh, test this in laboratories, you know, just to try to make sure that this is the only thing that this wasp <laughs> will eat. And for, for a lot of them, it's essentially true. Uh, actually, one of the wasps that I used to work on uh, was the Trisulcus uh, japonicus, which is also called the samurai wasp. Ooh, that's cool. Yeah, it uh, preys on the brown marmorated stink bug, which is a very damaging invasive pest. Well, that's what you want, right? Yeah. Oh, my so. gosh. I Googled samurai wasp. This thing looks goofy. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is a goofy looking guy. It's it little, is. Its little abdomen is just so tiny. <laughs> yeah. Look at its tiny little butt. Very small. Yeah. My, my favorite wasps are actually in this, this family, Celionidae. <laughs> um, if you haven't seen it, Bayus. Is, is a favorite of mine. I think a favorite of most people who study wasps. Uh, it's a very tiny nugget of a wasp. <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> it's usually wingless um, and it has giant eyes. It's adorable. Bay indeed. Look <laughs> at this little thing. It is like, you're not kidding. This is a chibi. It's this is so like if cute. You, if you were doing like a little chibi spinoff of wasps, this is what it would be. <laughs> It's so cute. It's It's got, like, no body. No, it's just a little tiny, tiny ball. It's a, it's orb. This is an orb <laughs> of wasp. Oh, my gosh. It's so cute. Well, you know what? Since we're talking about a really super adorable wasp and how cute it is, let's talk aesthetics for wasps. This is the final category that we rate animals on, um, which is literally just how nice you think they are to look at. Uh, so I'm curious to see what you'll rate wasps on out of 10 for aesthetics. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, aesthetics, I, I do feel like I'm cheating by looking at all of wasps. True. Because there's so much diversity here. So I, I, I'm going to have to give them another 10. They're just, For sure. Flawless. <laughs> there's so many different types. They are so beautiful. The wasps that I study, like Celionids, like Bayus and uh, the Samurai wasp, they're kind of very sleek. They're the sport car of wasps. <laughs> they're just very compact, very sleek. A lot of them are shiny and they're just so cute and then uh even if you look outside of that there's another large group of wasps called chalcedoidea and i think that group has the goofiest looking wasps <laughs> yeah if you've ever seen uh, a eucharidid wasp okay let's see here big reveal big money oh they have antlers they do have antlers yeah eucharidids they're so so goofy <laughs> But they're cute. Oh, they have like a checkmark shaped body almost. Yeah, just like, I want to say like broad shoulders kind of looking. Mm-hmm. Shoulder, uh, shoulder pads. Yeah, shoulder pads. <laughs> it's very 80s. Yeah, and then if you look at calcid wasps, uh, so C-H-A-L-C-I-D, they have giant, really thick thighs. <laughs> they have thick. huge back legs. <laughs> Oh my gosh, look at how they're caked up. That's adorable. <laughs> they never skip leg day. No. Not even <laughs> once. It almost looks like a like a grasshopper. 
Yeah, a little bit. Are they, I mean, are they jumping? Like, is that why their legs are like that? Uh, I think that the biggest uh, thought about these, the biggest hypothesis is that it's for for mating, maybe for Mm. uh, one sex to grasp onto the other. Interesting. But other, farther than that, I actually don't know. I mean, it's working for them. It looks good. It (laughs) It looks looks great. great. (laughs) It's got a Pixar mom wasp. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Incredible. (laughs) I have recently been kind of like trying to make peace with the wasps that I share my home with because I live right up against a pond. So as in, you know, as it's going to be when you have a home that is surrounded by natural space. Nature will sometimes want to uh, share space with you as well. (laughs) (laughs) So we have wasps, you know, that have been hanging around and I've been actually trying to kind of make peace with our wasps and not uh, worry so much about having them around when they make their little, they make their little paper nests up on top of our, you know, back porch area. Yeah. I've just been kind of letting them go, like not really doing anything about them. You know, we used to kind of try to like knock the nest down or try to do something like remove the wasp basically. And over the last couple of years, as I've been appreciating them more, I've been kind of letting them hang out and teaching my kids to leave them alone is a big part of it. You know, like teaching the kids not to run up to them or grab them or to, to move away from them when you see them. And you know, it's just, it hasn't brought me any grief so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, my, my family definitely, as I started to work on this group, uh, I've gotten a lot calmer around wasps because I used to be, you know, like most people, afraid of wasps getting stung. But if you are calm around them, they'll be calm around you. You know, right. slow down your breathing, move slowly, and they'll leave you alone. Yeah, I have definitely found that to be the case. I think that when you get panicked and frantic around them, it almost seems like they get a little more wary of you because you're behaving in a way that is difficult for them to predict. I also have definitely calmed down a lot around wasps, especially learning more about what they're actually doing and what their goals are, right? So like, if I understand that like, oh, this is not a type of wasp that like wants to sting me, right? If I understand that like, they're just protecting their nest and they would like for me to move away from their nest, I know that if I do that, they're going to leave me alone. So it has made me feel a lot better, like understanding them and knowing that they're not going to necessarily go out of their way to like chase me down. Yeah, they're not out to get you. They're not. They're really not. That's why I try I try so hard to like chill out with the anti-wasp uh <laughs> sentiment, you know? Like they get so much hate. Uh it can be funny to joke about. I get it. It's funny. <laughs> the jokes are funny, the memes are funny. Yeah, memes, haha. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, I've I've been trying to to back off and give the wasps their they they deserve some roses, especially if you live in a place that is affected by one of the bugs that they parasitize because then they could be doing you a real big favor absolutely let them do their thing i've been telling people in our neighborhood you know i posted some pictures of cuckoo wasps and the ichneumonid wasps that i've been finding recently and i posted them in our sort of like neighborhood facebook group and i was like hey guys i get it you don't like wasps but here's the thing if you don't like wasps keep these wasps around because yeah. they'll eat the other wasps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, just leave them alone and let them do their thing. They'll figure it out. They'll work it out amongst themselves. Let the wasps kind of let their little circle of life keep rotating. And Yeah, they're, they're just trying to, to live like everybody else. 
I know. They're doing their best out there. So I appreciate you so much for bringing some WASPA knowledge and appreciation to the podcast. It's always a good time to give some underappreciated animals some love and give them their props for their diabolical warfare <laughs> strategies and, and just their their beauty and efficiency. And there's a lot to be said for their absolutely bonkers <laughs> solutions that they've come up with things so before we uh wrap up for today i would love it if you could let our friends listening know like where people can find you and keep up with your work oh yeah um so i'm on twitter at johanna schwartz j-o-h-a-n-n-a-s-c-h-w-r-t-z that's pretty much the only place i'm at (laughs) (laughs) come find me there yeah for sure and i i urge people to follow along so that we can keep up with, you know, your science and keep an eye out for those new species to be named. That's going to be exciting. (laughs) Yeah, I'll post some pictures of them. I'm so excited. Well, thank you so much, Johanna. It has been an awesome time and we'll talk to you later. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, friends, to the redemption arc of the Wasp. Whether they're the hero or the villain, you can't deny their main character energy. I hope that we earned a five-star review from you on your podcast app of choice, like Issa Luna Hernandez, who said on Apple Podcasts, I love this podcast for any animal lovers. I have learned so much from this podcast about so many species. The additional commentary and conversations are always amusing. And you can tell Ellen and Christian have chemistry. So that's cute to listen to, too. This is so sweet. Thank you so much. We Sweet reviews like this really do make our day. So we really appreciate it. And we're, we're thankful for every good review that we get. If you want to hang out with us online, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Discord. Links to everything will be in the episode description below. You can send me an email at ellen at justthezooofus.com if you have a cool animal you'd like to hear about. We'd like to thank Maximum Fun for having us on their network, along with their other fantastic shows on the network, like the ones that you heard promos for earlier. You can check those out and learn more about the network and how you can support our show over at MaximumFun.org. Finally, we would like to thank Louis Zong for our theme music that makes me so indescribably happy every single time I hear it and it gets stuck in my head for 700 years. That's all for today. See you next week. Thanks. Bye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.